Um, I'll start Matthew 12, verse 1, and I'll read one verse, and then we'll go clockwise. Um, so it says, about, At about that time, Jesus was walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, so they began breaking off some heads of grain and eating them. Not even close. Cool, cool, cool. Matthew 12, verse 2. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? Oh, my four didn't start yet. <laughs> oh. And those who were with him, um, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple desecrate the day, and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of Sabbath. Then Jesus went over to their synagogue, where he noticed a man with a deformed hand. Oh, the Pharisees asked Jesus, Does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? They were hoping he would say yes, so they would bring charge against him. We're all verse 11. He said to them, If any of you has a sheep, and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand, and it was restored, just like the other one. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him, how to destroy him. All right. So before we continue in our uh, teaching, I felt like it was appropriate for us to do communion together. So if you would, this is also bread full of gluten. So if you're GF, we have that too. But here you go, babe, I'm grabbing dip. And also, because we get fancy here, uh, it's sparkling red grape Ooh. juice. <laughs> I know, take that with your bread. We decided the size of this Bible. This is really nice. Thank you. New meaning to eating the word of God. Dip it in what they call the bubbly. All right, so. Um, we as Christians don't take communion believing that the bread becomes the actual body and then the um, 
And Josh, Josh becomes the actor. Josh, Josh went ahead for it. Josh it's cool. <laughs> he doesn't need a round two. <laughs> but we take the bread represents his body, and the juice represents his blood. We actually don't believe that it becomes the actual physical thing. Um, but what it represents is that his body was broken for us and his blood was shed. And I think <clears throat> Sabbath allows us the space in our lives to intentionally step back from everything that we do and just remember what Jesus did. And so um, I'm going to pray and then we'll continue. Um, Jesus, we thank you for um, your faithfulness. God, and even as I say your faithfulness, I want to say your faithfulness to me and to us. But God, I thank you for your, Jesus, I thank you for your faithfulness to go to the cross. That you wrestled with, with what you knew the will of the Father was, but you still did it. And God, I pray that that would embolden something in us to be faithful to the call of God in our own lives and to our families and to the things that you have called us to do. We thank you that your body was broken beyond recognition and that your blood was spilt for sinners like us. So tonight, as we take communion, as we dive into the word, that we would remember your faithfulness to the call and that we would be able to just sit in that and be emboldened by that, be encouraged by that, and be challenged by that. We thank you for this time together. We pray that you would just bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'll wash this shirt later. I realize that I'm more like a child than I like to admit. I take a nap. It's fine. <laughs> But, all right, so this is what I call a doozy. If you know me, I love talking about Sabbath because I suck at it. Um, and the last three years, this has been a journey for me to learn about Sabbath rest. Because by nature, I don't rest easy. Uh, I'm prone to find my value in production. So I'm prone to find myself valuable based on what I produce. And a lot of it is cultural uh, Asian folks are real locked down on the monopoly of production equals value. And that was just my entire existence. So, and so when I began to go on a, a Sabbath journey, something that I also <clears throat> recognized in myself, you know, I share this openly, um, but I come from a background where I was incredibly abused and neglected by my family, by my mother in particular. And so the thing about when you grow up in constant, um, un like instability is that that level of adrenaline to just survive becomes normal. Like things that probably aren't normal becomes normal. Like if I walk into a space and if I cannot clearly identify how quickly I can leave a space, how I can run away, if I um, adrenaline to the point where everything is like, it's just normal, living up here is normal. And the thing about Sabbath and what God has called me to do in this journey is like, daughter, I want you to go from here to just here. Because here is when you recognize that I am protecting you. Here is where you recognize that I love you. Here is where you recognize that I do not love you because what you do, I love you because I made you. Here is where we are together. There is oneness. And so the idea of Sabbath and the journey of Sabbath has been such a struggle for me, but something on the forefront of what I feel like God has called me to do and to speak about is because I believe that in order for us to do the things that God has called us to do, we first have to remember what it's like to just be with him. 
and to find our, our identity and our value and our purpose there. And as a pastor, I feel like what God is challenging me to do is this idea that if you are constantly frantic, that is what you will teach your flock to be. If you are constantly just going, going, going and not teaching Sabbath to them, they will never rest. And so one of the things that we have done or um, we have practiced is uh, usually there's one day of the week where uh, we just set aside for Sabbath and I put my phone on do not disturb and I have an auto message that goes out that says I'm I'm on Sabbath I'll get back to you when I'm done and something the most common question that I get asked from people about when I do Sabbath is they're like what if your people need you what if somebody in the church has an emergency and they need you and I just said well no one has died yet so that's good um, but something that I recognize what happens when I am unreachable is I don't want to be the person you go to first and that might sound counterintuitive as your pastor but I want you to go to God first I want you to flesh some things out in prayer before you call me to pray for you because my prayer is not holier than your prayer my calling out to God on your behalf is not holier I like there is power in people praying together, but I can't pour out what is not being poured in. And Sabbath is a time set apart for me to say, God, I'm ready to be poured into because I want to lead and love people out of the overflow of my heart. And that can only come from a place where I truly worship you and rest with you and recognize that what I do does not give me value in the kingdom of God, but it is who I am and who I am is someone created by you. And that is in that sweet, tender space of Sabbath. And so what we have, is, uh, the last time we gathered, uh, Jesus is talking to people. He's calling. He's like, I will reveal myself to whoever I want to. Next, come to me. Whoever I want to, come to me. My yoke is easy and light. Are you heavy burdened? Are you weary? Come to me. I will give you rest. I will give you what you cannot find in anything else. Jesus is not saying, I will give you Netflix and chill. I am giving you this place for your soul where you are in one with me. Not Netflix and chill like y'all young kids know what Netflix and chill is. All right? Immediately they're like, what? find the one thing that you will need to do what I have called you to do in me you will find rest and then we get into chapter 12 verses 1 through 14 where he has to lay down like people always make Jesus seem like real like straight laced but I just think Jesus was hood like there's something about Jesus where he's like all right clearly y'all didn't get the point so I'm just gonna have to say it pretty like when when, when we read through this where Jesus says haven't you heard of course they heard they're the religious Jews. They know what the law is. And he's like, haven't you heard? Don't you know? And the answer is that, yeah, of course they do. But clearly they don't. They don't know. So Jesus is coming. Like, you don't get it. So in the first section, he's walking through. And here's the thing. What were the Pharisees? Like, remember when we talked about when the Pharisees caught the woman in adultery and they throw her out in front of Jesus and they're like, she's a slut. We got to stone her. Like, we just got to do this because we caught her in adultery. What were they doing in the first place to catch her? 
They were watching someone fall into sin and they were waiting for her to fall into sin so they can condemn her. And that is not the heart of God. God is not asking his people to sit on the sidelines and wait for our brothers or sisters to fall into sin so we can say, you freaking suck and you messed up. That is not the heart of God. And we are misrepresenting God when we do that to each other. So here the Pharisees saw him in the field. So they were just straight up watching. And they were waiting. Because they're like, this dude is going to mess up and we are going to get him. So he's like, so your disciples, the religious people, are like, okay, y'all were breaking the law. You were walking through a grain field. I saw your disciples pick some grain, take it out of the husk, and eat it. That is breaking Sabbath law. I don't know why, but I think religious people went like this. Because that's like, that's sassy. You know, like, I don't know. It's the shaming finger, also the nose-picking finger. If you have children, you know this. But they're like, hey, we saw you do this. You are breaking Sabbath. And here's the thing about breaking Sabbath and why I started out with Sabbath was that there was a list of 39 categories of activities that would classify work. Categories. So, not categories. Activities, yeah, like there categories. were rules to rules. So you had the Ten Commandments, and then what the religious people did was create an, an extra layer of rules so you can't get to the Sabbath. So or you can't get to the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. So like your Ten Commandments is like your six pack and the extra laws were like body fat. It's just trying to get you. It's just that like you gotta stop. You can't get to the six pack, aka Ten Commandments. There's padding. Like I have a six pack, it isn't a koozie. <laughs> but they're like, no, 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 you, to, to help you not break the law, we will add more law because that's religious logic. So to make sure, you know, you guys don't stumble across each other, let's just do all these other things to keep you guys from not truly experiencing what it's like to be brothers and sisters in Christ. To not really see the fulfillment of what if it's like to be co-laboring together. So let's just add some laws. So they built law around law to help people from breaking the law. Because that always works. But what's interesting is that the religious people also created their own system of what they called boundary extensions. Which is to allow them more freedom within the own law that they made to stop people from breaking the law. So here's some examples of what it was to break the law. Uh, writing two letters. More than that, breaking law. Like, to, like an A and a B? Or like yeah, to, to like, on like an A and a B. You can't write more than two because if you did more than that, you were working. Building and pulling, like that came into categories of what was breaking Sabbath, what wasn't. Traveling. You had to limit your travel to two, your travel to two thousand cubits, which was about 0.6 miles. So it was like you want a tether, and you can't go past it because if you're going past that, you were traveling and traveling. What were you traveling for? Were you traveling for work? Because now you're breaking Sabbath. So Jesus was confronted in this section of scripture on two things: eating, healing. Why this was law-breaking, Sabbath-breaking, was because the disciples weren't dying of starvation. Because if it was near the brink of death and he fed them, that wouldn't be breaking Sabbath. 
if the man with the deformed hand, that wasn't life-threatening. So if it was life-threatening, like homeboys bleeding out on the side of the road, if he would have healed that man from brink of death, that wasn't breaking the law. But he healed a deformed hand. And I just read this and I'm like, holy crap. The religious people just missed the point. He's saying, come to me for rest. Come to me. here. I want you here with me. My yoke is light. Come. And the religious people are like, you are breaking law. You are breaking the things that we have put in place to help people not break laws because clearly we care. And he's like, you're missing the point. How does it make sense that he just said to them, come to me and you will find rest. Come to me and bear the yoke that I have made for you because this yoke is custom made for you. Because here's the thing about the yoke. Here's the thing about the call of God is that I have never seen the call of God crush somebody's spirit. But I have seen the law of religion crush people's spirit. I have seen the law and boundaries break people down. And Jesus is throwing down on the legalism because they've missed the point again. And here's the thing. Sabbath was not given to us to crush us. Sabbath was given to us. Rest was given to us so that we can revive us. And it could help us from leaning in. It keeps us to lean in into the presence of God. Sabbath was given to us, not to crush us, but to revive us. Sabbath was given to us so that we would know where we would go for the very presence of God. Worship offered to God took precedence over Sabbath rules and regulation. Meeting the human need of eating because they broke the husk in their fingers to get to the grain was breaking law and they were called out for it. And he had to call them out because they were missing the point of Sabbath. And so the first thing, just a couple of people share, what do you think Sabbath is? What comes to your mind or what, what do you feel when you hear the word Sabbath? Don't shout over each other now. I know. I know. Rest. Rest. Reflection. I feel like it's an invitation from God. An invitation. Mm -hmm. It ought to be in His presence. Mm -hmm. We were always in His presence, but it's just like I'm gonna actually focus my mind on that's what you know. Mm -hmm. so I like set aside attention. Set aside attention. So why is it hard for us to enjoy Sabbath? rest sabbath being one of the ten commandments and jesus even says on like love god love people on these two the rest hang that of all the things god calls us to do it falls under the category of loving him or loving people sabbath being one of those it falls under this category that jesus calls you but why is it so hard I don't think any of us have ever been taught to do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, Sunday, like, growing up, 
It was like the most hectic and one day of the week. <laughs> stressful to try to get the kids off the church. Like all of us, you know, my parents running around and yelling at us to get the younger kids ready, and no one's ever ready. And then it's like, did you guys brush your hair? You brush your hair. We were constantly, always, at least thirty minutes late for church every week. Now, granted, your church nine goes kids, for like eight trillion yeah, years. Yeah, our our church went for longer than the average church, so there's that. But um, you you miss a pre-bunk to worship. We would still get there during worship. That's yeah. how half an hour we'd still be worship. So, but yeah, like it was always crazy and hectic, and everybody was crazy. And then we get to church, and then you're expected to like. Okay, everybody's chill, like calm down, bring it down, like, okay, we're here for church. But then even at church there's always expectations of like you're supposed to show up and you're supposed to look presentable and be nice and be happy and talk to people and like do all the church stuff that you're supposed to do. And then afterwards, depending on what church you go to, it's like, oh now people hang out. Then maybe you go to brunch or something. Like it's like this day long thing of like, okay, we, we get home, we have dinner, and now that it's seven o'clock and we're gonna go to bed in two hours. Now we rest. Now we rest. You know? Yeah. I think since we've been doing church on Thursday nights, we've really taken advantage of a nice Sabbath. It's been really nice. What did you guys say? Like, we pretty much chill on Sunday. I was Sunday. actually literally thinking about that today without even knowing this was going to be a topic, but I was literally thinking, like, this creates more of a Sabbath for me and like my family for the weekend because, like what Jenna was saying, there's so many expectations. And sometimes I feel like I'm not, what, what am I doing all this for if they're so clouded by that expectation that there's not really that invitation, mm-hmm. like what Bethany was saying, mm-hmm. to stop. Because you have to be able to stop and listen mm-hmm. for God's presence. You don't really get it in hustle and hustle. It's hard to listen if you're constantly going. It's hard to rest if you find value in production. And here's the thing. Sabbath is scary, especially in a world that is continually interconnected. It is scary to step away from it completely and not be at someone's beck and call. To not be reachable because all this technology is to help us build community and be reachable. But if you are not keeping your Snapchat streak on, like going... What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Clearly not the work of God. <laughs> well, I think that's the point. It's like, what is rest? What is rest? Now that we have so much rest. Yeah. Like the workplace is a totally different thing now, like in our culture and society. It's like, what? what is rest? Yeah. Because I feel like I get a lot of rest by being a stay-at-home mom because you can sit a lot more now that my kids are getting older. But it's like, what is rest <laughs> in this context? Yeah. What Sabbath rest is, it is intentional time set apart to be in the presence of God through worship. And when I say through worship, it does not just mean music. Through worship could be the intention of finding out, God, how do I just reconnect with you? How do I just be with you? So for Riley, rest is nature. Your Sabbath and your connecting with the almighty creator could be going on a hike. Your rest, your Sabbath rest is a journey. It's not just waking up tomorrow and be like, all right, so what it means is no Netflix and definitely no Disney Plus. Uh, Probably shouldn't be on Snapchat and I should probably go on a hike in the pouring rain because that seems like Sabbath. For each of us, it is different, but it is the intention of slowing down, 
and entering into the presence of God. And that within itself is a journey. That within itself is scary. But what the thing is that Sabbath is an actual trust, act of trust. That when you are not busy doing all the things, will life fall apart? Lord, I give you this day where I'm not producing, where I am not hustling and going and pouring out, but I'm just being. And I trust that you will meet me in that space of just being with you. I will trust you in that space where I am not reachable, where I'm not finding my value in people because people can't get a hold of me. But I'm just being. And the idea of just being is difficult because we are a work-based culture that people don't rest. They're constantly going. So even the idea of like, man, sorry, I can't hang. I am Sabbath resting. It's like, you are a weirdo. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a weirdo that is rested. <laughs> and how do you know if it's rest, right? Is that after Sabbath, it should not be you're like, I'm tapped. After Sabbath, after just being in God's presence, it should feel like, now I'm ready for the work. So for us in this journey, and it's taken three years for us to be in this journey, is in Sabbath rest, I turn off my phone. There is no television. There is, there's no gaming. There's no nothing. There might be worship music. There's reading. There are walks. There are drives that we go on together. There are things where we stop and say, God, what? how have you made me to give me life? How have you made me to simply enjoy you and learning how to do that? But I feel like the biggest thing is that the intentional stepping away from the constant contact with everyone, because the constant contact with everyone can put in the noise that we just can't be with the one who matters the most. And that is God. And so that is Sabbath. And it's interesting because Sabbath is one of the commandments, one of the things that we have done what rested even God it says on the seventh day he rested it is put in as law but somehow and Jesus 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 often retreated to be with God and we're like we definitely want to be like Christ but we're definitely not going to retreat and be with God because there's kingdom work to do but I can tell you if your work is not coming from a place of rest your work will not last very long If your ministry is not including the very presence of God, it is not ministry, it is a program. If the Spirit of God is not pouring afresh on here and we have full assurance that we are doing the call of God, we are just a bunch of people gathering in linen on a Thursday night eating delicious Indian food. But the presence of God is necessary for the Sabbath with God. And we can miss that. And my my heart for us is to remember that Sabbath was made for us as a gift. The call to rest, come to me, find rest here. I want you here. That is made for us. And that is that space where things can get real vulnerable, where we are not so busy doing, 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 and we just stop. It's where we have to face our emotions. It's where we have to face hurt. 
It's where we have to face the radical love that is available through Christ. It's where we actually might have to face the things that are broken in our lives right now because we are not distracting ourselves with work. That Sabbath was made for us as a gift. And Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. And we are made in that tender space of rest to be with Jesus. And one of the greatest gifts I believe that we can give the next generation, one of the greatest gifts that Riley and I believe we can give to our children is the gift of rest. Because if we think right now things are bat poop crazy with what people are expecting us to do, our children will have it so much worse. Mm -hmm. Our children, you will be required to do and produce more than you are actually physically capable of. So what is it not? We need to show our children that in Sabbath, we rest. We need to show the future generation that we first rest and then we work. We first be with the Lord before we do the work of the Lord. That we first must quiet ourselves down and get completely disconnected so we can actually get connected to the one that matters, the one on which all life flows from. It's Jesus. But we can't. Because we just keep going. And we keep going. And here's the thing is that if Sabbath was made as a gift to us, then the religious people have missed the freaking point. That somebody eating because they took the grain out of the husk, they were that was work. You're breaking Sabbath. Sabbath became something that was so crushing. And it became something that was so unmanageable because you were being watched that you were breaking law you missed the point that it is a gift that jesus even says i am the lord of the sabbath you want to condemn my disciples for doing this did you condemn david when he went into the temple and ate the bread that was set aside for the priest you're condemning me for healing a human being but if your sheep fell into a hole would you not rescue it out? Haven't you heard? Have you not seen? Do you not know? But here's the thing. Even with sheep, if a sheep fell into a hole, they had laws on how they could take it out. All right, so we got to assess. Sheep fell in the hole. Sorry, lamb chop. If I get you a ladder, is that ladder more than 0.6 miles away from me? If I put it into the hole, so hopefully with your four hooves you can climb out, well, I need to assist you more. Would then that be worth? And Jesus is like, you are missing the point. Is this human being not more valuable? Is he not more valuable than freaking cattle? <coughs> animals. Is he not more valuable? You are missing the point. And what is easy is that we can sit here and we can be like, freaking religious idiots like they totally missed the point we never missed the point like we are we got it we got this faith in jesus on lock we never missed the point we never overflow with condemnation versus grace we got this religious man these pharisees they really screwed up right jesus like they are judgmental they are not welcoming people into gathering spaces they are not building bridges in every area you call them to build so that they can build relationships i don't even think they're going out and like sharing the good news with people like i mean come on jesus like these religious people they're dropping the ball but not us and even as i was preparing this message i was like <laughs> religious people and then i was like oh my gosh 
I could be a religious person. I could be someone that is so stuck on law that I forget people. That I could be so stuck on just doing what I think is the right thing versus just being with God. I could take something like Sabbath and make it a religious law that if I don't obey, God is going to smite me. And even as I was preparing for today, because something that I constantly wrestle with is that I don't, I, I only have so much time as a co-vocational pastor. I only have so much time to work between working another 40-hour job to sit down. I don't have a day set apart on a Monday where I can sit down for eight hours and write a sermon. I have to break it up into chunks at random parts of the day because that is when it works for me. And I often feel a crazy amount of shame because I'm like, I just haven't done enough. And today I was sitting at Woods and I was writing this message because I was still working on it at 5.50 p.m. tonight. And I was like, oh my gosh, I feel so bad. I should have my crap together. Ah! I think you're killing it. And I sit there and I immediately was like, I don't believe you're a good, good father. If I think in my mind you were there just shaming me because I'm trying my best. Like, I don't, I clearly have a misunderstanding of who you are. If how I respond is that I think that you are so angry with me because I'm literally trying my best to be a good mom or dad. I'm trying my absolute best to try to pave a new path for my, the kids who will come from me and the next generation. But it seems like I have my own crap I need to deal with. I, if I think that you are just so angry and ashamed at me because I don't have everything figured out then I probably don't believe you're a good, good God and a good, good father who loves me because what I actually think is you are shaming me and angry with me. And in that moment, I felt like the Lord was like, I am proud of you. You were saying yes, and you are doing your best. And that as your father is what I am asking of you. Every expectation that you have placed on yourself is not from me. And if it is not from me, then it will crush you. And so I click sync and proclaim. And I was like, this is all I got. Close that bad boy up and came home. And I just realized the last thing is that when we have misunderstandings about God's character, it will lead us to make rules that misrepresent our faith. That if we think that God is this angry God who is so upset because we don't have our crap together all the time and he is going to smite us and there will be revenge and he is just judging us and waiting for us to fail. That is what we show people our faith is. Like, we want to know, why isn't the next generation coming to the Lord? Like, why do they not want this faith that says you should feel bad a lot if you don't have your breath together? Why don't young people want to experience the move of God? Because maybe, maybe, just maybe, we are telling other people who are trying to figure out who God is that God is just waiting for them to fail. That God is just waiting for them to mess up. That our own misunderstanding of the very character of God leads us to misrepresent our faith because we create rules to help us understand the things that we can't. You know what's hard to understand? Grace. 
What do you mean I have undeserved favor from you, from God? What is this great, what is this freaking mercy thing? Joy beyond understanding? Are you crazy? Salvation? I didn't even earn it. If I have to work to earn a cell phone, I should work to earn eternal salvation. What is this? What is this madness? So we create rules. You got to do this, this, and this to deserve grace. Oh, you better be this, this, and this to deserve mercy. Oh, you definitely did not receive forgiveness unless you do this, this, and this. That thing that you did, that is actually beyond God's ability to forgive. Because you know what? It's just too much. That hope, you got none. Because you haven't done this, this, and this. So we make up these laws and these rules and these things because we don't understand and we misunderstand who God actually is, who is a loving father, who is saying, I am proud of you. Did you wake up today and try? Heck yeah, cheering you on. Some of the things that I find myself cheering on my children for, I'm like, strangers definitely think I am weird. <laughs> Holy crap, you just pulled out your tooth. You've been wanting to pull that bad boy out. You pulled it out! You! You wiped your butt! You wiped your butt! Glory to God, you got this. You are ready to be president. Oh my God, you rode a bike? Two wheels? In one direction? You didn't fall ten times? Only eight? Yes! You got this. Oh my gosh. Your pants are on the right way. Glory to God. You did it. We cheer our children on when they do these things that are developmental in their faith, in their development. You said thank you? Praise God. I feel like some of the most affirming time is when Natalie comes up and she goes, your kid sat there for two minutes. And I'm like, yes. Kyrie didn't yell at somebody. I'm winning as a parent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but somehow, if we do that for our kids, as broken as we are, why don't we think God is saying, I am so proud of you, Martha, for waking up today and choosing to follow me. I'm so proud of you, angel, for getting up and continuing to lean in, lean into my presence. Riley, I'm so proud of you that even when things suck, you are still showing grace. Jenna, you're killing it. I'm so proud of you. Why do we think that God is not cheering us on? Like we cheer our children on. That when we are even, fall, it feels like we're falling downhill. You know, like not gracefully, just straight up, just tumbling down a hill. Trying to learn this Sabbath thing, trying to learn this rest thing, trying to learn this thing of what it is like to walk with Jesus. We think that God is just shaming us, maybe because religious people have shamed us. But why don't we think God is like, I am so proud of you. You were hurt right there, and you chose grace. I am so proud of you that you didn't do, you think you failed, but you obeyed me. I wasn't asking for numbers. I was asking for your heart. I'm so proud of you. You got up today. I'm so proud of you. You read one verse. That's better than no verse. I'm proud of you. Because what you're showing me is that you want to grow and be in my word. To be in my presence to worship me. I'm so proud of you. Somebody offered an opportunity for you to make a dumb decision. And you almost did it. I, I know your heart. You almost went there. But you're like, nah, my mom's going to kill me. 
Oh, I'm so proud of you. You didn't slap that, your sibling? Glory to God. I am so proud of you, five-year-old kid. I don't believe that God is standing in eternity saying, you freaking suck, you constantly are failing. Why can't you get it together? I believe God is saying, I love you so much. You are trying, you are trying to grow, you are doing hard things, you are learning to obey, you are like, you are trying. And I am proud of you. And you know what? When I look at you, I see Christ and what he has done for you. I am proud of you. And when we see Jesus that way, that is what we overflow. We are not overflowing with religion and judgment and hate for people because they don't have their crap together. We're just realizing, oh my gosh, Jesus loves you so much. Because he loves me so much. Can I just tell you the things that I have done and Jesus still says, I love you? Can I just, like, because when we have that understanding of God, we can rest in his presence because we're not scared. Like, you know when you do something wrong and you just know that your parents know or you know that your, like, you know, like, your best friend knows and you're like, I don't want to tell you about this because I know that you know, so I'm just going to avoid the conversation altogether. Anybody? <laughs> no? Everyone here is the same? Thank you, Marley. Thank you for being honest. You know, you're just like, ooh, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to have this conversation. So I'm going to avoid eye contact. I'm going to look at you like I have a crazy eye, not, not really looking at you. Oh, you walk in the room, I'm going to walk out. Because I don't want, I don't want to have this hard conversation. And I think that's how we avoid Sabbath. Because we don't want, we're afraid that if we enter into that quiet space, God's going to rain down. He's going to lay the hammer and we're going to be afraid to encounter what we encounter in Sabbath. But can I just assure you that entering into the presence of God is not entering into a war zone. Entering into the presence of God and learning to abide and align in his presence is not like you're about to walk into trouble. Like you came home too late, you walked in the door and someone's like, where you been? I was in an unhealthy fear, so I never did that. But like, if you did that, you know that, like you're like, I'm gonna walk in the door and someone's gonna lay the hammer on me. That is not entering into God's presence. Entering into God's presence is when you walk, it's like walking into a house where everyone's like, oh my gosh, you're here, I'm so glad you're here. Entering into the presence of God is like a big warm freaking hug. Like, ah, yes. Entering into the presence of God is that moment our soul participates in this eternal, eternal timeline eternal experience of just being with the one who creates us. And when we miss the point and create law around the things that are gifts, we miss the point completely. And this was what Jesus was trying to say to the religious people is you miss the point. And so with all of that, so what? Every time I write a message, I start at the very top with what I call my so what? So what, why does this matter to us? We're not the religious people. Like, I wouldn't be mad if somebody healed someone's deformed hand on a Sunday. I would not be angry if somebody decided to thresh some wheat on a Sunday. So th how is this relatable to us right now? Because we're not them and we're not there. And I don't feel like maybe we're not missing the point. The point is that Sabbath is a gift that we were meant to participate in because it was made for us. 
that it is in the very presence of God in rest that we are reminded how proud he is of us, of how he sees every part of our heart and says, I love you so much. Sabbath is where our soul participates in a oneness with our creator because we're not filled with all the noise that is out there because we're just focused on what's happening right here. And so if I can encourage you as the church, can we be a church gathering that is just overflowing with the presence of God because we were willing to walk into the presence of God set aside to just be. The last thing I want for any of us to be are people who are literally about to lose your mind because you keep going and you think you're going to keep going. It's like drinking 20 Red Bulls and thinking that's really good for you. We make these decisions to fill every single day with work, 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 instead of just resting. So would we be a people that will work from a place of rest because we were made for rest and work? So if we work from a place of rest, we are working and operating from a place of assurance, from a place of knowing who God is, from a place of seeking the Lord, and from a place where we cut the noise and just be still in a life and a world that is constantly going. Would we be the people that will turn off our phones and become unreachable? Because guess what? No one is going to die if you don't answer your text message right away. They should probably be calling 911 if they were about to die. So let me alleviate some of that stress for you. No one is going to think the world is ending if you say no to a commitment on a day of your Sabbath. In fact, if you ask me to go to something on a day of my Sabbath and I say no, it's not because I don't love you, it's because I love you so much that I wanna make sure that I am overflowing for this gathering. That don't make plans to fill up your calendar until you first make plans for Sabbath rest. In our calendar, and, and I do not say this because I have my crap figured out, it is still a journey for me. But if someone's like, hey, you wanna hang out on this day? I'll look at that entire week and be like, where am I, where am I resting? What, what day have I blocked aside for just Sabbath? And if I can't answer that in my weekly calendar, if somebody wants to hang out that week, I can't make that plan yet because i got to figure out where I'm going to rest first. And then when I find out that chunk of time, that's where I'm going to make plans. My heart, and I believe that God's heart in this scripture is that we can easily miss the point, but we can also easily miss the heart of God when we are so busy doing religious things that we forget to purely be in his presence. And I don't believe that is God's heart for us. And so I want to pray, and then I want us to just walk around, go around the circle, and if you want to share, just share your takeaway. What stood out to you? Maybe what are some things that you want to do to start implementing Sabbath? Why Sabbath is hard? Just share your heart. So let me pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for your goodness and your faithfulness. Um, God, I thank you that you are not not shaming us, angry with us, pointing fingers at us, saying you failed and I am so disappointed. But you're saying, come to me. I will give you rest. Come to me and bear this yoke that I have made for you. If you would only know how much I love you because I made you. 
would you slow down and stop doing, thinking that's going to earn your salvation? God, I thank you that you love us so much that you have given us the gift of Sabbath. I pray that we would not squander that gift, but we would cherish it because we would recognize that Sabbath rest, that time set apart in your presence, seeking you, seeking you, being with you. That is what fuels us to do the things you have called us to do. I thank you for this gathering. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.